So we are continuing our series on Galatians. And what you see the main theme of, of Galatians is it's, it's faith, freedom, and love. And so Galatians looks at the, the good news of Jesus Christ and informs us how we live in light of that. So we're reading Galatians chapter 2, and we're going through verses 11 through 21. And we see here in this passage that Paul does something that is radically different than he does in the rest of the book, and even in a lot of his other letters that he writes. And that is he tells a story. And so the story is a story that, 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 that communicates the message that the good news of Jesus Christ gives us the freedom to live in unity with him and others. And so the central theme of this passage and the central theme of the gospel is unity. Unity with Christ in God and with one another as God's family. Now, it's interesting because it's easy to talk about what to do. It's easy to tell a story that it has a happy ending or a positive example, but Paul here provides an example of what not to do. Now, I can think about in my own life a situation where I was given a, a story or told about what not to do. And, and it, it had a profound impact on my life. And I was about 23, 24, and I was a, a young graduate assistant coach at Auburn. And I just got my first coaching job at Illinois State. So I'm moving halfway across the country and I meet with the head coach. And by all measures of the profession, the head coach at Auburn was a man who's been successful in so many businesses. He's been successful in the coaching profession. This guy is a measurement of success. And I'm sitting there in his office and he's telling me, uh, he says to me like this, Frosty, that's what my friends all call me. Frosty, I hope you learn a lot while you're here. But most importantly, I hope you learn what not to do. And that statement just resonated with me because sometimes we, we learn by recognizing and understanding that what not to do, we'll learn what to do. And here Paul gives us an example of what not to do. So Paul could have given a lot of positive examples of living out our faith across racial, ethnic, cultural lines. He could have given us an examples of this is what it should look like. But sometimes telling a negative story can bring the point a little bit closer to home. Because, because what happens is when the stakes are high, sometimes we have to understand the gravity of the situation. And so Paul gives us a negative example because the stakes are high because it, he's communicating how we live out our faith and we live out in front of our fellow believers and non-believers. And that, that way we live our life has implications to the integrity of the gospel. So let's look at the part, the first part of the text, the first part of Paul's story. So start with Galatians chapter two, like we said, verses one through 14. Paul says, but when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned for he regularly ate with the Gentiles before certain men came from James. However, when they came, he withdrew and separated himself because he feared those from the circumcision party. Then the rest of the Jews joined his hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel, I told Cephas in front of everyone, if you who are a Jew live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel the Gentiles to live like Jews? So let's talk about this story a little bit. Paul is telling a story to the church in Galatia of what happened in Antioch. 
And Antioch is a church that was primarily comprised of Gentiles. Now, the, the, uh, we can read and, and we find out more about the church of Antioch in Acts chapter 11. But it's important about the church of Antioch is important because this is where believers were first known as Christians. And so Antioch was an important place in the history of the early church. So we see this name first. And we see this name of a guy named Cephas. Well, who was Cephas? Cephas is actually the Aramaic name for Peter. And for those of us who, who have read throughout other passages, this is not just any Peter. This is Peter, one of the disciples. This is the apostle Peter, one of Jesus. Well, I like to say the big three, Peter, James and John. He walked with Jesus. He was close to Jesus. And so Jesus is the one who gave him uh, authority. He was by some considered the starter of the church. Peter was an important guy. Cephas was an important guy. And here we see Paul calling out Peter. And, and so what's going on here? So what ended up happening is, is, is the Jews had this cultural identity that, that we're going to eat foods that are within certain dietary laws and we're not going to associate with Gentiles. And, and, Paul, and, and Paul is communicating here that Peter ate regularly with the Gentiles. Now, there's a reason why that that was the case. And he ate regularly because God had already been working in Peter's heart, in Cephas' heart, about what it meant to, uh, to, to lay down his own prejudices on the issues of food and ultimately conveying that the family of God is open to both Jews and Gentiles. And Gentiles was anybody who was not a Jew. And they tell you that all are equal before God and equal in his family. And so what happened is, is and I like to joke around like this because I'm, I'm, I like to eat and and, and Peter realized that the Gentiles had some really good food. Like they knew how to throw down at a barbecue. And so Peter's going out there and he's realizing it. And he's eating with them. And he's like, man, this food is really good. And he's hanging out with them on a regular basis, regularly coming out eating. Like, you got any more of that food? It's like coming down to Charleston and getting some good soul food. That's how it's like. You go to a night place, you know it's some good eating. And that's where he's going. He's eating with them. And he's fellowshipping with them. And he's coming with them. But... You see here that what ends up happening is there's another group called the circumcision party. And the circumcision party are the ones that, that, that say, if you want to be a Christian, if you want to follow Jesus, you have to have faith in Jesus and you have to get circumcised or, and you have to follow the dietary laws. And so Peter is eating the food with the Gentiles, hanging out with the Gentiles. But when the circumcision party came, all of a sudden now he acts like he doesn't know the Gentiles. And that hypocrisy ended up impacting the local church. So what Paul is doing here is he is using a negative story to convey a positive truth. That the gospel provides the freedom to live in unity beyond our cultural and ethnic barriers. So what is, what is hypocrisy? Hypocrisy actually comes from, as an original term that comes from the world of acting in theater. So a hypocrite was actually an actor who would put on a mask and perform uh, as somebody else. Imagine watching a Marvel movie and, and you know how uh, they have alter egos where uh, Iron Man is Tony Stark or um, Prince T'Challa is the Black Panther. They put on a mask they, and they are somebody else. In other words, they're playing a role. And ultimately what's happening, it is concealing the real you. 
In other words, when you act in hypocrisy, you're hiding the, the real you and you're playing a role. So this is what Cephas or Peter and the Jews who followed his example was doing in Antioch. So what was the hypocrisy? The hypocrisy was that they claimed unity and faith. They claimed the unity that the gospel provides, but they lived contrary to the message of the gospel. In this situation, they chose culture and ethnicity to divide the family of faith. So let me ask you a question as a pause right here. Have you ever been called out for being a hypocrite? Have you ever been called out for acting differently than what you said? Well, I can tell you I have. And one of the worst situations is when it's on your own family. So I, just to tell a story, I, you know, I don't understand why all my conversations center around food. But for most times, most of my conversations center around food. But it's funny because when we're at the dinner table eating, I have a pet peeve. And it is smacking. Do not smack while you're eating. It's like, let's, don't do that. And so, you know, I got two boys and we, we like to have fun and eat and laugh and joke and come around. But I'm always reminding them, don't smack. But one day we were eating dinner and the food was really good because I was diving in. And I'm eating and all of a sudden there is a silence in the table. My wife, my two boys were looking at me. And I look up and I'm like, what? They're like, dad, you're smacking. I'm like, get out of here. And my wife, I look at my wife and she's like, yeah, you're smacking. And I'm like, oh man, they called me out for the very thing that I call my sons out. And, and, and it's a reminder that many times what we end up doing is we, we've even said as parents, do as I say, not as I do. But that's not how this is supposed to work. If we say that Jesus is our Lord and we say that we follow him, then our words and our actions had to meet. They have to meet. Our words and our actions have to meet. So what did Paul do? Paul did this, going back to uh, verse 14. But when I saw, this is Paul saying, that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel, I told Cephas in front of everyone, if you who are a Jew live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel Gentiles to live like Jews? So Paul confronted Peter because his sin was public. And because his sin was public, the, conf the confrontation was public. See, Paul wanted to make sure that everyone knew that Jews and Gentiles were on the same team, the same family, living and preaching and proclaiming the same gospel. And here's the key part also, as we read earlier in chapter two last week, Peter, James, and John affirmed Paul's apostolic authority in terms of his authority as an apostle. And so Paul had to call out Peter. He had to call out Cephas. And, and the thing is, is that in calling out his hypocrisy, he, he's, he's saying that you live like a Gentile, you hang out with them, you eat their food. How are you going to enforce the Gentiles to live like Jews? See, this is a big deal. This confrontation right here is a big deal. And as I said earlier, Paul isn't just calling out anybody. He's calling out Cephas. He is calling out Peter. Like this, this is the guy that Jesus said, if you love, feed my sheep. He was one of the three. So how dare Paul call him out, right? No. 
Paul is saying, actually, that, that when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to the good news of Jesus, everyone is equal. There is no one person more special than another. Now, as I said earlier, that Paul met with him and James and John, and so they gave Paul what I like to call the street credibility or the acknowledgement of his, of his authority. And so Paul took this authority seriously, but more importantly, he took the gospel seriously. He took the good news of Jesus seriously, and he took the implications of the gospel seriously. Now, how do we know this? Now, check out the gravity of this situation. Even Barnabas was led astray. Now, I want to give you some background on Barnabas. Barnabas was one of the leaders of the church of Antioch. He helped start the church in Antioch. We read that in Acts chapter 11. So the, 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 the apostles, when Peter acted in hypocrisy, it caused the, the leader to act in hypocrisy. So how did they deviate from the truth then? They deviated the truth by building walls of division that Jesus tore down. Now, Paul says this in, in other times and in other passages. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, he said, For he, Jesus, is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of, his, of hostility. Now, now, going to verse 15, it says, In his flesh... He made no effect of the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations and get this now so that he might create in himself one new man from the two resulting in peace. Their hypocrisy then means that they were they were communicating a message to the Gentiles that in order to follow Jesus, they had to be a Jew, that they had to be circumcised that they had to follow the food laws. In other words, I have to keep the law to be saved. Now, hypocrisy then means it's not simply failing to live up to what you believe. That's sin. Let's be sure of that. But when we live out the gospel, the gospel and the convictions of the gospel, and we live them out in one situation, but cover them up in another situation, that's hypocrisy. So I think it's time for a self-check. Many of us are guilty of this. But what causes hypocrisy? Well, the big one is fear. As you saw in Paul's, uh, Paul's case talking about Peter, he said it was the fear of who, what would the circumcision party think or what would they say or that they'll lose something. We have the same fears oftentimes. What will people think? What will people say? What will we lose? Fear will have us covering up our convictions. And that's exactly what Peter did. That's exactly what Cephas did in Antioch. But fear is not just the only cause of hypocrisy. There's also comfort. There's also culture. And there's also misguided convictions. In other words, do we add things to the gospel? For example, if you are a Christian, you will only vote in one political party. Or you can be a Christian, but you can't hang out with those people, whoever they may be. Do we mistake preference and make a conviction? 
where we take those preferences, make them conviction, and then impose it on others. Because when we do that, that leads to legalism and hypocrisy. If you don't worship this way, or if you don't like this type of worship music, or this style of preaching, we do this in so many areas. Now, let me be clear here. I'm not talking about what scripture has plainly made clear about life and holiness and sin. Okay? I'm not talking about that. And we'll actually unpack that more as we go through this book. We will see that as we go through Galatians that God makes it clear what his convictions are. But it's important to understand the dangers of hypocrisy. So my oldest son um, is learning how to drive right now. He's got his learner's permit. And so we'll go on the road and we'll drive. And, and what happens is, is I'm, I'm constantly reminding him and my wife is constantly reminding him about keeping your eyes focused on the road so that you don't drift. So that you don't drift from off the road or into another lane. Because what happens is if you're not focused on where you are on the road, you will drift and eventually you will hit something or someone. Just like we're concerned about that with driving, it's easy to drift in hypocrisy and we have to be intentional and watch how we're living. So what we do matters. How we live matters. The example that we set regarding our faith matters. And we can either lead people astray or we can be people to the gospel based on how we live. So Paul then, because he recognizes the problem, calls them out and he begins to school them on why they're wrong. So reading the rest of the chapter, starting with verse 15, Peter, uh, Paul says, we are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. And yet, because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus, even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. This was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. But if we ourselves are also found to be sinners while seeking to be justified by Christ, is Christ then a promoter of sin? Absolutely not. If we rebuild those things that I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. For though the law, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Notice that here that Paul uses the language of we to convey a key point, that the standard of salvation is the same for both Jews and Gentiles. It is in faith alone, Christ alone. And this is great news. Paul is saying that the only way we can be made right, he is arguing to the circumcision party, to Peter, to Barnabas, to everybody, that the only way that we can be made right with God is faith in Jesus. Paul is saying we're all in the same boat. So being a Jew does not make you right with God in and of itself. Following the law does not make you right with God. 
Your effort does not make you right with God. Faith in Jesus makes you right with God. The beauty of the good news of Jesus is that we have the freedom, therefore, to connect with him by our faith and his grace. Our motivation to live right before God and others is so that we can honor the one who gave his life for us. And in doing so, God gives us a new identity. And our identity above all is in Christ. We are connected to Christ because of his work. And we have to have faith in him and to accept his grace and to identify with our lives with his. Galatians 2.20, and I want to say it again. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It is by his grace that we can come to him in faith. His grace, our faith. So once again, the grace of God allows us to come to him in faith. This is the beauty of the gospel. This is the beauty of the good news of Jesus Christ. That we can identify with him by connecting with him and connecting with his work on the cross. So what does this mean for us? Well, two things. Depends on where you're at. If you are a believer in Christ, we have to remember that our lives will either bring people to Christ or away from him. Legalism and hypocrisy will ruin the mission that God has given us to share the good news wherever we are. But also that we cannot create barriers that Jesus tore down. Our lives have to reflect the love of Christ in the community of faith. In other words, we have to watch how we live. But if you are not a believer in Christ, then you need to realize that your good deeds, your good works, will not bring you into right relationship with God. It is only through faith in Jesus that will make you right with God. Our faith, his grace. 